Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and uh, we're going to give you a little straight talk about the keys to the kingdom. And, of course, keys to the kingdom are what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. That's what he says. Unfortunately, somebody thought they were actually real keys, and they give them to Peter. But that's not what he was saying. I would give unto you the keys to the kingdom. What you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. The kingdom of heaven is where you are a free soul under God. The kingdoms of the world is where you are merchandise or subjects or charity for debt or some sort of servitude and bondage where you have to labor without pay for masters. And you'll call them all kinds of things because you don't really like to call yourself a servant or in servitude or in bondage or a slave. But really, when you think about it, just about everybody in the world is in bondage today. Now, they're in bondage to temporal governments, uh, temporal systems, but they're also in bondage to sin. What kind of sin? Missing the mark, uh, not understanding, not perceiving the truth as it really is they uh, they fall short that's what sin is it's falling short yeah using something that should be used in a natural way in an unnatural way not perceiving things as they really are under a strong delusion and of course today you know we talked this morning about all the people that are under delusion and, you know somebody who is born a man uh, has male hormones, male parts, <laughs> and uh, thinks he's a woman, that's a delusion. He's not really a woman. He's he's has some sort of dysphoria about his gender, and so therefore he will desire to be considered something other than what he is. And that's a delusion. That's a dysphoria. That's, that's not real. Uh, it's real that he wants to be thought of a certain way. And then we talked about the fact that people are out there, you know, letting these guys wrestle women who don't have the same muscle strength or bone strength or, or organs are a different size. And uh, they're, you know, giving them concussions and uh, winning all the tournaments as if they have accomplished something. You know, some guy has and now you celebrate. Guys beating up women. And you wonder about (laughs) domestic violence and women being brutalized when you allow a a man to brutalize a woman because he says he feels like a woman. Well, he isn't act, you know, often isn't acting like a woman. It's, it's just a dysphoria delusion that he's under. And they think they're doing him a favor by catering to that delusion. And I'm not saying that you have to attack the delusion. You certainly don't have to attack him. But he's got a problem. And denying that problem isn't going to make it go away. Just the same as most people in most countries think they're free. They're not free. They're back in the bondage of Egypt. Bondage of Egypt, you had to pay 20% of your labor 
belonged to the government. And you had to work 20% of your work day or work year for the pharaoh. Somehow satisfy that debt of one-fifth of your labor had to go to the pharaoh. And that was called bondage. Today, people have to send one-fifth, a third, maybe half of everything that they produce to the government, and they call it freedom. That's a delusion. (laughs) It's a strong delusion, but it's a delusion. You're not free people. You're in bondage. So, what uh, the theme of the show was rules for rulers. And we talked this morning about rules for radicals. And, of course, Christ was the ultimate radical. So, what were the rules that Christ laid down? And we talked briefly about that. He said that you were to seek the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God and that you needed to be born again if you wanted to see the kingdom. And uh, we we have an article up at preparingyou.com that uh, talks about being born again. And it mentions a few places in the Bible where it talks about being born again. But we also have a little section on that page about... Uh, it's under the section of the battle and rebirth. And it talks about Abraham in Ur. And actually Abraham, before Ur, he was in the Indus Valley. And then they went to Ur. And then they went to uh, Haran. They actually created the city-states of Har- city-state of Haran. Terah, his father, did. Abraham could have ruled in Haran, but he didn't. He left it to his brother Nahor, his other brother Haran, had been put to death by some means in Ur. And once you understand the laws of Ur, you could be put to death for doing some good things. You could be put to death for all sorts of things. That was a common uh, penalty for violating the codified laws of Ur. But anyway, uh, the article talks about the Asuras, which we mentioned in the book, uh, Covenants of the Gods and the book Thy Kingdom Come and uh, which are free online. All our books are free online. All, all the ones that we publish open to the public anyway. Uh, the Marconel cast was this uh, group of people that seemed to bring everybody into bondage. And I use the word uh, merchants or traffickers and uh, we also see the word Canaan means the same thing. So if you're wandering to the land of Canaan, are you actually wandering through a particular people's land, or is this the merchant class, the traffickers, the people who bring people into bondage by sometimes money systems, sometimes contracts and covenants, uh, offering them benefits, the greatest destroyers of liberty, or the givers of gifts, gratuities. Well, back in Samaria, this was a problem. Uh, Samaria was kind of a crossroads between Indus Valley and Egypt and the civilizations that existed back then. And it's very interesting that that for the supposed millions of years of man's existence, all of a sudden, just a few thousand years ago, they invented civilization. Suddenly, you know, we don't really have any real missing links between, you know, the prehistoric supposed pre-man men. And man, I mean, there, there's a huge jump there in many different aspects of mankind 
and they archaeologists have not really seen that transition species, which there should be lots of, because it would have had to take place over a long period of time. But man seems to have just kind of popped up all of a sudden, making rather elaborate uh, civilizations in at least Mesopotamia. And uh, it doesn't really fit their scenario, but that's what they want to say, so that's okay. It could be another one of those strong delusions, but what do you get? What do you know? Uh, the fact is, is say something happened and man suddenly had this intelligence to create a civilization and access to language and and wrote all this cuneiform tablets that everybody has been studying for years. And anyway, you get to about 200 and, uh, 2,350 years before Christ, and we see uh, cuneiform tablets that mention for the first time the word freedom. And uh, that particular word, freedom, which uh, there's a couple little different forms of it. Uh, one is um, amargi or amagi. Uh, these are the two words, and uh, it actually means, you know, freedom or manumission, exemption from debt or obligations, because that's how you usually go into bondage is some sort of debt. You know, somebody's promised you something and or given you something, and then you promise to serve them. That's how they got into the bondage of Egypt, is that they ran out of food, and Egypt said, well, we'll feed you, but from now on, you got to give us one-fifth of your labor, and we'll help you through these hard times. So they went into bondage because they did not have provisions of their own. And we write about that extensively. There's a huge number of quotes in the Bible that talk about that. And uh, that's one of the major ways in which people go into bondage. Another way is they're just slothful. They They could have had provisions for themselves, but they didn't. They depended upon somebody else. Or covetous. Through covetous practices, you will be made merchandise. That's New Testament, by the way, for those of you who don't know. So, this is a theme throughout the whole contextual Bible. And you can actually find it in many other sacred scripts. But this word, amagi, that means freedom, actually literally translate a return to the woman, or a return to your mother, or a return to the matrix or return to the womb because that's that's what they're actually talking about you return to that previous state of freedom of uh manumission exemption from any other debt and you go back to this reversion to a previous state well the previous state of man was state of nature state of liberty state of freedom but he moves away from that because of the fact that, like we said, that he's covetous for benefits, what they call the wages of unrighteousness or the rewards of unrighteousness, that you you begin to become accustomed to living at the expense of others, and this brings you into bondage. David talks about it. What should have been for your welfare has become a snare. Paul quotes the same quote that David says about the, that and, of course, there are benefits for your advantage in the church established by Christ, but they are all based on free will offerings, freely give, freely receive. John the Baptist says, you know, that you need to have this care 
for one another through charity, not through force. Everybody else wanted to do it through force. That's what it says in the Bible. But John the Baptist said, no, do it through charity. And of course, Jesus talks about charity all the time, although most of the time the word that should be translated charity, they translate it love. But we see Paul using the same word and and they often translate it charity because that's what it is. The real word for charity should be the word that we translate into grace, which is the Greek word charis, which is where we get the word charity. I mean, you don't even see the word charity in the Old Testament, but uh, it's in there, but they call it free will offerings, and that's what charity is. So if your system of society is helping out the needy of your society through charity, it might remain free. But if it's only going to help it out through help out the needy through forced offerings, you will probably not remain free. And that's just historically the way it goes. So this word that we see show up, actually what happened was if we we look at one author who talks about uh, over the centuries, the conflict between rulers of men you know, the ones who exercise authority of the civilization, Samaria, etc. And individual rights has often been a bitter struggle for power between, I'm, I'm quoting an author here, between temple and palace, between church and state, with the citizens taking the side of the temple. Now, why would they take the side of the temple? And what was the temple? Well, the temple was a place, a religious institution, and religion was how you took care of the needy. It was the left hand of government, the almsgiving of government. The right hand of government was the sword, and that was to afflict damage to those people who, you know, stole, murdered, you know, violated the rights of others. But... Uh, what happened is that the the right hand of government began to supervise and control and impress or force the contributions of the people for the for the charity side of government. And you can go way back to Lady Godiva. And we've told the story. Her picture is actually on the front of our Free Church report because she was told of attacks that her fa- uh, that her husband excuse me her husband had to impose and this the tax what he was a norman and the tax was from the norman kings and they were going to impose the tax on the people to help pay for you know hospitals and libraries education you know health uh, education and welfare of the people he was going to impose the tax to do that up to that time most everybody depended upon the church for those things. If you got sick, the church would take care of you. If your family couldn't, if your family broke down and you had widows and orphans, the church took on the responsibility to make sure that they were not neglected. And they rightly divided the bread from house to house that was needed to take care of the poor of society. But now the state wanted to force a contribution to the people. They were going to give it to the church. But not evidently somebody thought there wasn't enough charity, so now they were going to force the people to give. Everybody had to give, you know, their fair share. That's a common thing. And then that fair share would provide for the needy of society. Lady Godiva said, no, don't do this. She knew it would be destructive 
to the health and well-being of society. She she had enough smarts and intelligence to realize that this would be the downfall of society. Polybius had said it, you know, a thousand years before. Plutarch had said it. Many uh, philosophers had said it. But anyway, she said it, and she said, you can't do this. And he said, well, you know, I'm commanded by the king to do it. You know, so what am I? I have no choice in it. And so basically what they decided is she decided that she would take her own wealth and pay the tribute. And she became the patron saint of architects because she built so many hospitals, libraries, and public institutions for the care of the needy widows and orphans of society. And so she built all these structures, and of course the church manned these structures, and and her husband, who was also wealthy, she was actually a widow from her previous husband, was the largest landowner, uh, woman landowner in England at the time. She's the only woman landowner who's mentioned in the Doomsday books, uh, which is their land titles back then. Now everybody's in the Doomsday books, but... Uh, Anyways, so she was extremely wealthy and she paid the amount that the people were not able to come up with and the king, therefore, did not tax the people. And so this put off this idea of the state taxing the people to provide welfare because that's that's destructive. And that's a rule written in the Bible that... You know, God's government, any any government sanctioned by the Bible would not do that because it would bring the people into bondage. And again, if you go to, you know, which I love to quote Cecil B. DeMille in the movie Moses, are men the property of the state or are they free souls under God? If they're free souls under God, they're in the kingdom of God. If they're not free souls under God, they're in the kingdoms of the world. And they are property of the state. And that's a reality is you can become property of the state. The Bible doesn't condone or even promote that. But the reality is, is they admit that that is what can happen, which is why they created things like the Jubilee and stuff. When the people went into bondage in Egypt, the Pharaoh had a ceiling limit. He could only tax the people one fifth of their labor, 20 percent. That was as high as he could go. And for thousands of years, that was the height of the income tax in Egypt. But today, people in most countries can be taxed 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%. And they don't realize that they're actually going against the teachings of Moses and Christ and Abraham when they do it. And certainly the teachings of John the Baptist and all the prophets. Because they are creating systems of covetousness. And so the rules were, there were five rules laid down in the Bible. If you were going to have a leader who could exercise authority, you know, king, president, prime minister, you had to have these five rules. And one of them was never return them, to do nothing to ever return them to the bondage of Egypt. Well, the reality is, is that's happened in almost every country in the world. Because, But they think they're still free. They think that they're Christian governments. They think that their constitutions are biblical. But right there in Deuteronomy 17, and we wrote a whole book on the subject, Contracts, Covenants, and Constitutions, take you through it step by step, show you the meaning of the words, how this all plays together. That was forbidden. 
that you were you would have these five restrictions in your constitution. They are not in the Constitution of the United States, and I have not seen them in the Constitution of any nation anywhere. So none of those constitutions are biblical documents because they violate the basic premises because you were to write these things down. This was to be in your constitution is to read to your your leader every day to make sure that he didn't do anything to return you to the bondage of Egypt. Yet the whole world has gone back that that way. Oh, they say, well, it's not really bondage. We don't have to build bricks and mud pits. They didn't either. Israelites, you know, you're mixing the movie <laughs> with the, with uh, the the reality. Very clear, the Israelites did all. Co- I mean, Aaron knew the arts of the temple, which the temples were banks. He uh, he understood the Federal Reserve and how it worked. I mean, that's the Golden Calf was a reserve fund, at, and we have whole articles and lectures that explain that that's what was really going on there. But there was something spiritual that goes on, and your actual physical bondage back in Egypt again is evidence of that spiritual omission that has brought you back into bondage, and you know and and. Jesus, our, our God bears this out in Samuel 8. He says, you know, God says to Samuel, it isn't because they've turned away from you, Samuel. It's because they've already turned away from me that they, I should not rule over them. Well, how did he rule over them? How does God rule over a people? In their hearts, in their minds. And and he says that, that, that I should not rule over them in their hearts. So, you know, the covenant was that God would rule over us in our hearts and our mind because we were willing and we believed in God and we believed in the ways of God. But, you know, I know a lot of atheists, they don't believe in the ways of God. They say, well, we don't believe in God. Well, they actually believe in socialism. They believe in giving men the power to force the contributions of the people and redistribute the wealth according to the way they see fit. And and God gives, goes and gives a detailed explanation in the Bible that this is this is what is going to happen. You're going to end up with leaders who take and take and take and take and take and take and take. And then you're going to cry out and I'm not even going to hear you. God wants you to be the ruler of your life. He wants you to be a free soul under God. So what are the rules for you to keep you free? Well, certainly there's the Ten Commandments. That if you're not going to follow the Ten Commandments, you're going to end up in bondage. It's cause and effect universe. People say, well, where does it say that? Well, I'm just telling you that that's what they're talking about. And we can go through, and we have gone through and explained many of them. But that that is what the Ten Commandments is about. It's about keeping you free as free souls under God. If you don't keep the Ten Commandments, it's like coveting. You'll be made merchandise. You'll be brought back into the bondage of Egypt. You know, if you if you... If you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. If you live by the benefits of government who collects the treasury of that government at the point of a sword, then you live by the sword. Yeah, you live by the sword because you're in a system that forces the contributions of the people at the point of a sword or a point of a gun or the threat of jail. It's by force. So, you live by the sword. You don't pull a sword out yourself. You got somebody else you hired to do it. And see, that's a sin. 
That, and Jesus said, you're not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who exercise authority one over the other, but call themselves benefactors. It is not to be that way with you. But it is that way with you, because you aren't doing what Christ said. So you will go back into bondage. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me think here. Oh, you already went back into bondage. That's right. So so how do you get back to freedom? How, how do you get redemption? You know, here's the definition of redemption. Out of uh, Zondervan's Pictorial Encyclopedia of the Bible. And, you know, they, it, it's, it's a scholastic coverage of the, of the topic. But they tell you in this topic of redemption that redemption is deliverance from the power of an alien dominion and the enjoyment of the resulting freedom. It involves the idea of restoration to one who possesses a more fundamental right or interest. You know, that prior freedom, that original right, that manumission to an original state. The best example, they say, in this quoting again of redemption in the Old Testament was the deliverance of the children of Israel from the bondage, literally, of Egypt. And from the dominion of an alien power, which is Egypt. They go on to say that the best way, uh, or at least I will go on to say that the best way uh, in the New Testament is when Christ said, I'm going to take the kingdom from you. And he did. And he did it with the words of their own mouth. Which we talked about this morning in, in those rules uh, for radicals that one of the rules for radicals was to hold them to their own law. And, of course, Christ did that. Because Christ, you know, that's why he held up the coin with an image, because these are rules that the Pharisees had. And he was kind of rubbing their nose in it. But mostly, what he did was he got them to hate him so much that they said anybody who accepts Jesus Christ is cast out of the welfare system of their government. They're cast out of the synagogue, which is, the synagogues were composed of ten families, all linked together by the ten centers and thousands all the way back to the temple. So, if you were cast out of the synagogue, you were cast out of the welfare system of the day. If you were not in the welfare system of the day, you also didn't have to pay into the welfare system. Because you remember, that table was what was a snare. Is what was bringing them into bondage. So being cast out set them free. But of course it set them free without any social safety net. And of course that's what Christ was teaching them. Is how to organize a social safety net. For the true needy of society when they come along. And one of the ways to do that is to sit down in the tens, hundreds and thousands. Which Christ commanded. And most people don't want to even see. We have an article up under commanded. So you can go look at the words that he used there. He commanded that people sit down in those tens, hundreds of thousands. He uses two different Greek words that mean commanded in different contexts. But all in relationship to sitting down in the tens, hundreds of thousands. So anyway, we went through most of the rules for radicals. And we also went through the eight-point plan for socialism which has been attributed to Saul Alinsky, who wrote the original book, Rules for Radicals. But it is not. 
And Snopes points out that it's not Saul Alinsky. He didn't invent it. But what they don't tell you on Snopes is that somebody else invented it, implemented it, and has been dragging America towards socialism on a regular basis ever since. And we went through that all this morning about how they were able to do that. But basically what they're doing is offering you more health care, uh, more protection from poverty, but that, with that comes more debt. Uh, but they also want to give you welfare, but they also want gun control, etc. And it's going to get to the point of forced vaccinations and and uh, already forced education. People say, well, I, I, I won't get my kids vaccinated. I'll home teach them first. Well, they're passing laws right now that will that demand that they come into your home four times a year. And make sure that your kids all have their vaccinations, even though you're home taught. Make sure that you're in compliance with their curriculum, teaching what they want you to teach. So, you know, it's it's against the law, jailable offense in numerous countries if you try to homeschool your kids. And people want to make it against the law. And that homeschooling your kids is going to be considered child abuse. Not getting vaccinations has already been ruled as child abuse in some states. And this it's going to get worse because you can see the spirit arising in the people to control others. And there there is no escape even in homeschooling. I encourage homeschooling because there's other advantages to it. And I But I, what I really encourage is that you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which means you organize yourself in free assemblies based on the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Because that will give you more strength. It's still not going to stop what's coming, but it may put you on the other side of the equation where you're a little bit safer than you are right now. Yeah, because I see, I've for over the years, I've seen children taking from the parents. Sometimes their parents made stupid mistakes. Sometimes they just had a hard time of it because a spouse left them and left them in a lurch. But people get their kids taken away on a regular basis. And then they're all screaming for help. And I've been in meetings where people had other complaints. And, the, you know, I said, well, this is what you have to do. You have to be there for him when he's having trouble. And you have to be there for her when she's having trouble. And they come right back and say, I don't care about their problems. I want my problem solved. Guy called up the other day, wanted uh, me to sit there and talk to him. I talked to him for, you know, 20 minutes or so. But he wanted me to keep on the line, keep talking to him, listening to him. I said, you know, I didn't really have time now. The best thing to do is join the network. And there are people who live closer than me. And they can sit down and talk with you guys. I'm not going to just do this over the phone. And he wouldn't do it. I don't want to join anything. I don't want to be a part of anything, you know. But I'm supposed to take my time out and sit there and listen and coach coach him as to the problems where he's missing things. Well, there's one thing you're missing is that you think you'll be free by separating yourselves from everybody else. That isn't the way Christ figured it. That isn't what Moses did, certainly. It's even not what Abraham did. Because when he left Ur, the final time, he left with many souls. And and so you have to start thinking in those same ways. So we also went over the communist rules for revolution, which there's 10 of them. And basically you see that same pattern. And uh, so we had 
the uh, the the people of Cloward and Piven starting this eight point strategy, but then there's this communist rules for revolution, and then we talked a little bit about Jordan Peterson's rules for life. Now his rules for life are a little bit different because of the fact that those rules for life are written in a metaphor form, and then you have to. Uh, decipher how that metaphor translates into real actions today. But basically what he's saying is you have to take back your responsibilities for yourself and for your family. We say that all the time, but we take it to the nth degree. You know, your whole health responsibility, your educational responsibility, your protection and the protection of your neighbor's responsibility. It becomes your job. And you have to not be slothful in attending to it. Because if you are, then you don't really love your neighbor as yourself. So understanding all these things is very important. And uh, putting together these pieces of the puzzle. But but if you want to be the ruler of your life, there are rules that you need to go by and need to apply to your life. Culture is uh, one way to describe many of these rules. But you have to do it. You have to make it real. And if you don't, then other things are going to happen that uh, that you will not have any control over. So anyway, we'll take a little commercial break here and we'll be right back in a few moments on the Keys of the Kingdom. So uh, that actually, it wasn't a commercial, but I saw that there on my uh my uh, live studio so I thought I put it in there because I didn't know that they had a recording of Candace yeah facts don't matter to somebody who's under an emotional delusion a spiritual and emotional delusion and almost everybody is under one form of delusion or another some of them are not real harmful delusions uh, you know some of them can actually be extremely harmful delusions and with long range lifetime repercussions certainly thinking you're free and not being free is one of those terrible delusions that can just spiral out of control but uh, well welcome back to keys of the kingdom so we're talking about this idea of rules jordan peterson talks about rules for life what about rules for liberty? Uh, that would be a good title. What would be the rules for liberty? What I have here is rules of the way. Uh, the way of what? The way of liberty. If you want to be free, you must set others free. You cannot be bringing other people into bondage and expect to remain free. Because as you judge, so shall you be judged. So, the Bible in the New Testament talks about repenting. Why? Because they came upon the people in a state of bondage. The people of Israel, which was Judea at that time, were in a state of bondage. And it was getting worse and worse and worse. It wasn't because Rome came in and conquered them with a violent, you know, we're just going to come in there and oppress everybody. Rome was invited in to Judea. To settle a civil war that was going on in Judea at the time that Pompey was over there fighting pirates in in Libya, which used to be a regular practice. I mean, Jefferson did it, uh, Pompey did it, uh, it, it was, and 
Ronald Reagan did it. <laughs> so it's been a, there's been a lot of pirates in that area over the centuries. But he was invited in to settle this dispute, and he was paying attention to their local law. But already the people were starting to go into bondage because of their dependency upon a central government. And this actually started way back with Saul. And that's when Samuel said that if you go this way, he, your leaders will take and take and take and take and take and take. And they did. And people cried out and God did not hear them. And they went into more and more bondage. And they were still in bondage when Jesus Christ came. But Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, the same thing, was the rightful king, the highest son of David. And he set the people free. And that's... That freedom was setting them free from a system of forced offerings to take care of the needy of society, which is why Jesus says you're not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who exercise authority one over the other, and call, but yet call themselves benefactors. You have to be benefactors without exercising a force. And the only way to do that is to exercise charity. This is the kingdom of God in a nutshell, which of course... If you weren't under such a strong delusion, you'd say, oh my gosh, our entire system is based on a lie. But are you really in bondage? Yeah, you are really in bondage because there are real benefits that you are given. And now you owe for those benefits. And that's another thing it says that you would be made merchandise. Your parents were a part of this. Your grandparents were a part of this. And... I, there's no way I can tell you without seemingly attacking your delusion. But it was foretold that you would go back into bondage and be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. And uh, that's exactly what's happened. So now if you want to save yourself from that, if you want to separate yourself from that, you need to know the 12 rules of the way. And the first is to repent. Think differently. That's what repenting is. So instead of thinking that you have an entitlement to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, you now are going to think a different way that I have to be responsible, not only for myself, but for my neighbor. I have to care about him as much as I care about myself, or God will not care about me. Now, I mean, God loves you, but he is not going to cater to your sloth. He's going to allow you to go under tribute. It'll be up to you. So you have to seek the kingdom of God because you love God and love the ways of God. And that's part of that repentance process. You have to seek the righteousness of God in your relationship with God and with everybody else. And in that process, you're going to need to practice pure religion. Pure religion is religion where you take care of one another by that faith, hope, and charity. That's pure religion. Unspotted by the world, you can't be using systems of force to take care of the needy. All of you do. And it's not going to change overnight, but that gives you a sense of direction where you've got to go. In order to do that, though, you need to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And on that page, uh, Rules for Radical, we have this all outlined, so you can go right down. You have to forgive so that you can be forgiven. You have to say, okay, you don't owe me anything. I'm not going to take these benefits. I'm going to come together and do things the way Christ intended, God intended. And when you do that, you you open your hearts to Christ telling you more, showing you more. 
guiding you more. So anyway, in the sixth it says, Love as in charity one another as he loved us, which included rebuke and sacrifice. Christ sacrificed himself for others. Though he was rich, he made himself poor. He wasn't a humble little carpenter. He was fairly wealthy. His uncle was one of the wealthiest men around. And so the idea that he was living in some sort of poverty, that's just people trying to make you comfortable with your poverty so that they continue to take advantage of you. That isn't the way you're supposed to be doing things. So you, Christ set up the church to handle this charitable daily ministration to take care of the needy of society. And that was critical towards being a free people. Number seven says, love your neighbor as, and your enemy as yourself. And so you have to realize that that love will set you free. By setting others free in your love, you yourself will go into freedom. Keep the commandments. If you love him, keep the commandments. Call no man father. Judge not, lest ye be judged. See, if you think it's okay to take from your neighbor, then it's okay if your neighbor takes from you. Swear not, not at all, not by heaven, not by hell, not by the temple, not by anything, anything more than yes for yes and no for no cometh of evil. And so now you're starting to see these different rules that you put together and see, why would you have to swear? Why would you have to bind yourself to oaths? Because God is a, not a, God's kingdom is not a kingdom of lies. God's kingdom is a kingdom of love and faith and charity and hope. Another thing that Christ talked about is the unrighteous mammon. He talked about uh, paying. If you owe Caesar, pay Caesar. Uh, you have to keep your word. You have to be honest. You know, that's one of the things that Jordan Peterson realizes that, that you have to you have to tell the truth as much as possible. And so you have to keep your words honest. And in order to do that, you're going to need to you need to know what truth is, what it looks like. But then you have to keep your word even when you are in bondage to the unrighteous mammon. So once you understand mammon and the unrighteous mammon, again, on the page, Rules for Radicals, we have this whole outline down at the bottom of the page, and there's live links so you can go and find out what mammon is. Mammon is just entrusted wealth. It's not necessarily money Although in your case, Federal Reserve notes would be considered mammon because those are debt notes and it's how they create this entrusted wealth. The note is not the wealth. The note is the promise to pay the wealth. They don't have the money to pay the wealth, but they have you. So you're now a surety for the... If you're a beneficiary of the system where you can collect Federal Reserve notes for your needs, then... As beneficiary, you also are obligated to pay the debts. And so that's what brings you into the bondage. And that's why you can't just leave and say, well, I don't want to have anything to do with this anymore. I'm just going to leave. And they call it tactical sovereignty and lots of other expatriating and all that. No, that's not where Christ started. Christ said to come together to love one another in a real way that makes a difference. That's what he was preaching people how to do. In order to do that, you're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to give. You're going to have to give up your time and sit down in these, uh, you know, groups of ten. Symposia is the uh, 
Greek word there, a small group of ten friends, intimate friends, but in groups of a hundred and groups of a thousand. And now you will have protection if, you know, when it comes to homeschooling, home health, you will have a network, a living network that Google cannot censor, <laughs> Facebook cannot censor, that will start giving you a heads up on what you need and when you need it and what you can do about getting it. But you have to, if you're not faithful in the unrighteous mammon, then you probably won't be faithful in more righteous habitations. And so, therefore, you have to take all that into consideration. That If there is an unrighteous mammon, there must be a righteous mammon. Otherwise, why put that, that term there? The last thing on the list is keep in faith to the end. And this is one thing Christ said, persevere. And he wants you to persevere in your challenge. And that challenge is, is to see yourself as you really are. And you can't see yourself as you really are if you're not willing to see the fact that you're in bondage. If you think you're still free, then you're probably even more hopelessly enslaved than we thought you were at the beginning of the program. So, anyway, we... uh, kind of got through that page but in this whole rules for radical we mentioned this born again and that born again is really a metaphor in itself nobody expects you to enter into your mother's womb any more than in order to be free you have to go back the matrix back to your original state in the womb of your mother you don't have to do that in order to be free but they're talking about a principle of going back to an original state. And that original state was a state of nature or a state of liberty. So the, anyway, that's that's what they're talking about. And in Sumeria, and there was actually, a, uh, if you read all these Kaneaform deals, and I quote several different places where they had a, I guess you could call it a revolution. There was something radical about it where somebody who was a priest in the temple, uh, became king, which, of course, Christ was. Christ was literally priest in the temple. We know he was teaching in the temple. We know that others hailed him as the highest son of David, uh, that he was able to fire the money changers, all things the kings were supposed to do. But John the Baptist, on the other hand, was this uh, high priest that would bring people to the laver of the Jordan rather than the laver in the temple. And... That was the fact that there had been a split with Mahan at that time. And uh, a large portion of the Levites walked out. They separated themselves from this Sanhedrin and from the other Levites. And so they were no longer the official high priests, according to Herod. But then Herod was no longer officially the rightful king of Judea. So whoever Christ picked, they could become... The choice of the people. See, the way in which you get the high priest. I mean, who appoints the high priest? You know, Moses wasn't around. He wasn't going to appoint it. You sit down in these tens, hundreds, and thousands, ten families, pick a minister. That minister gets together with nine other ministers. They pick a minister. And then they get together with nine other ministers like themselves. And they pick a minister. And you have this pattern repeated out throughout the whole nation. And eventually you end up Because you have 12 tribes, you'll have 12 men sitting at the high point of this network, 
but they're a network of servants, not a network of rulers. They were only to serve. And so that network of servers is where that freedom will come from because they're not exercising authority one over the other. They're not persecuting the people, but persevering in the ways of righteousness. So Abraham, Moses, and Christ came to set us free in spirit and in truth from the sins that brought us into bondage. And that's what Christ was all about. Bondage to who? Bondage to Cain, bondage to Nimrod, bondage to Pharaoh, bondage to Caesar, bondage to the world, bondage to those who seek that kingdom and his righteousness. And and that's what Christ is trying to set us free from. The kingdom of God, the people are free souls under God. But when the people are of the world, they are often little more than merchandise, surety for debt, snared in a system of bondage by way of their sloth and covetous practices. So what what can you do about it? Well, like I said, Gather together in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. That, that, that is to, in order to practice pure religion. And that pure religion is that religion that takes care of the needy of society, that pious performance of your duty to the needy of society through faith, hope, and charity. In Matthew 16, 19, we see, and I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That is it. So how do you loosen yourself from from unforgiveness that binds you? You forgive. How do you loosen yourself from a greedy heart? You you give. This this is what there, he's trying to impart to you is that you have much more control over your destiny than you realize, but you have to repent and seek something different in a different way, in a different light. So anyway, it's time to take another break, and we'll be back to Keys of the Kingdom in a little bit. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom, and uh, we're in this last half hour, and so I, I saw that that on the uh, on the switchboard on the dashboard here uh the audio clip of uh, Paul Harvey talking about if I were the devil and that was recorded quite a while ago and yet all those things were taking place and just as we talked about this morning uh that the the uh, the individuals who put together those eight point plan toward socialism and of course Marx was all for socialism because it leads to communism. He was for democracy because it leads to socialism. Because the spirit of sloth gets into the people. They, they, they have these false laureates of, of valor and wisdom and intelligence and they're actually going the opposite way of, of righteousness, dragging people's consciousness away. You're, you've lost your children. You've lost your, your next generation. Uh, there are those that are beginning to wake up anyway. They're they're getting politically active anyway, and they're starting to think a little bit. But they're surviving in spite of the drugs and the alcohol and the 
the media, I mean, one of the biggest drugs is social media and devices that are constantly giving you that little endorphin rush and dopamine so that you become addicted to those things. And you're addicted to marijuana, addicted to, you know, like I say, alcohol or drugs. And sometimes it's really, really bad. And you say, oh, boy, I'm not like that. But the reality is, is life can get hard in this universe, very hard in this universe. And people are ill-prepared for it. Uh, they they don't see the seasons. We're out here in the desert and we're dealing with, you know, snow, storms and lambing and calving and uh, and neighbors who have things that break down and they're miles up, miles away from parts and uh, repair places. And so they have to kind of do it themselves. And yeah, yesterday I was working on gas pumps that somebody was trying to put back together and they actually fried uh, a switch, a relay. And uh, when I got on the scene, uh, they had lost current. And so then I, I went and was testing, found, uh, within a few minutes, I found, well, you, 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 it's not this switch circuit breaker is bad that you don't even have power coming into this box. So it's farther back. And we go back to another box and it actually took us to another box. This was a big business. So they, they have all kinds of boxes and it was built over a long period of time. So eventually we traced it back and we got the power up, but then they, we looked at their wiring and it ended up and they were kind of beginning to realize this, that they had wired something that should have been wired 110. They had wired it 220. And, uh, and so that, and now we got everything running, but we couldn't get it to shut off. And so it was supposed to shut off when you turn this little lever down and it turned this mechanism. And I said, well, is this a, immediately I said, there's solid state here somewhere and you fried it. And they said, no, it's a mechanical switch. It's not solid state. And so I, we went and checked all the other things and everything. And I kept coming back. I says, I think there's some, there, this, there's solid state, some sort of, you know, relay in here mechanical uh, you know electronic relay and i was actually should have caught it quicker because i mean there was we're looking at dozens and dozens of wires but i noticed one wire this little brown wire which was the lead wire to let something know there was current and then that activated something so that you had this this switch electronic switch anyway make a long story short is uh finally we I talked him into taking that apart. We opened it up, and sure enough, there was solid-state switch in there, relay in there, and uh, it was fried. It wasn't a mechanical switch. Uh, there was a mechanical switch in there, but it was dependent to make everything work quite right. It had this relay in there. Well, fortunately, they were able to take the relay out of an, a spare part, which I suggested, and put it together. But you had to be in, innovative, but you also had to be intuitive. You had to, you know, when I first came up, uh, that was one of the first things I asked, and there wasn't even a need to ask that yet. But that's what was in my head, is that they had fried a solid-state switch. That wasn't the reason why they didn't have power there anymore. That was something else farther away. But when I just walked near the pump, I knew that they had fried this. And I kept suggesting it, and they kept denying that it was. But that's... That's really a part of the delusion. If you deny the truth about one thing, 
you will lose insight, intuitiveness. You, you will not see other solutions. I wish I could tell you about all the things that we've discovered. I can't. Because I would be robbing you of discovering them. I'm telling you, though, that if you do what Christ was telling the early church to do, if you think a different way, that's what repentance is. It's not being sorry. I mean, obviously, you can be sorry for what you've done wrong and all that stuff. But that's not what repentance means. It's, it means to think a different way. Since the garden, you have been eating of the tree of knowledge, trying to figure things out with your intellect alone. And if you don't have all the facts, you can't do that. And guess what? You can't have all the facts. That's a huge job. You have to be a super genius to have all the facts. And even then you won't have all the facts. But even have, you know, a major portion of the facts. Then you also have to have some way of deciphering what is fact and what is not fact. But if you're eating of the tree of life, you will have this intuition where you will just know, I need to go there. I need to buy this. I need to put this in my pocket because I will need this tomorrow when I go to so-and-so's place. I mean, that's literally what will happen if you begin to walk in the ways of the kingdom. But you will not walk in the ways of the kingdom unless you come with a kingdom heart. You can't do it. Because it, there's a combination of intuitiveness that comes from spiritually surrendering to the knowledge that you can't figure it out. And so even though I'm talking to you a lot about laws and history, you know, I mean, we talk about hidden histories. Well, the hidden history of being born again, that, that, that mean, meant freedom. That means being manumitted. You have to be manumitted from the bondage you're in. Yes, there's a physical, political bondage that the people were in in Judea. But there's also a spiritual bondage that was going on there. And they couldn't even see the physical bondage. They could feel the pain. But they couldn't understand the physical bondage until they were willing to see the spiritual side of things. That's why Christ is always talking about, you know, uh, good Samaritans and forgiving and and freely receive and freely give and all this. Because that's all a part of that spiritual walk. But if you walk that spiritual walk with faith, freedom will come. And you will survive that freedom. That's the, going to be the big trick. Is Everybody's going to be free, but not everybody's going to survive freedom. Because can you imagine if suddenly the government said, okay, you guys are all free. You can go do what you want. You know, whatever government you're in, Australia, Canada, whatever. You guys can, we're not going to tax you anymore. We're not going to force you to, uh, you know, serve us anymore. We're going to just set you free. You're a jubilee. Your house is your house. No more property tax on your house. Your labor is your labor. No more income tax on your labor. Uh, you can sell stuff back and forth between each other. and We're not going to impose sales tax on it anymore. We're not going to do that. We just suddenly become enlightened souls and we're not going to do that anymore. What's going to happen to you? What's going to happen to your society? It's, it's going to be total chaos. It's not going to be anarchy. It's going to be chaos. It's going to be 
millions upon millions of people who like to exercise authority one over the other going to be trying to exercise authority over you in a very chaotic way. They're going to try to rob from you, steal from you. They're not going to fix the roads. They're not going to take care of the needy. They're not, they're not going to take care of their parents. They're not going to take care of their children. I mean, we already have that. Why you have so many broken homes. And I pointed out this morning, out of the top 27 mass shooters on record, 26 of them came from broken homes. There's not that many, I mean, there's a lot of broken homes out there, but the statistics should not be 99% of the people are from broken homes. So the cause of these mass shootings is not guns. It's broken homes. But it's not just broken homes because there's something else they have in common. They're almost all on drugs, legal drugs, you know, antidepressant drugs. A huge number of them are on antidepressant drugs. Why? Because they're from broken homes. <laughs> and and the thing is, is that once you go down a path in a certain way, other things start to fill in the gaps and start to fall into a pattern. This is why I say, if you are not going to admit that you're back in the bondage of Egypt again, and it's worse today than it was before, if you're going to still cling to the delusion that you're a free people, you cannot become free. Now, when I, I say you're in bondage, I'm not telling you not to pay your taxes. Christ said, if you owe the tax, pay the tax. And people will come and say, oh, well, they can't really tax you because it wasn't done legally. We show you that it was done legally. People say, show me the law. Well, we show you the law. And it's supposed to say, I can go get, what is it, $10,000, $100,000, you know, if I go show them. The law is the law of contract. And the Constitution guarantees your right to contract and, and must support that contract. The greatest destroyers of liberty are the givers of gifts, gratuities, and benefits. What have you been doing for the last 100 years? You've been taking gifts, gratuities, and benefits. Somebody else is taking care of your parents. Somebody else is educating your children. Somebody else is guaranteeing your welfare your health care, and you're signed up. You've got the number to make sure that you're eligible for all those benefits. So you're a beneficiary. Well, the trust is bankrupt. So now you're, you're a debtor. You, you owe. You took the benefit. You have to pay the piper. And there is no escape. You can't just say, where are you going to move to? You're going to move from the United States to New Zealand, they got the debt there. You know, somebody was telling me once, and says, yeah, I, if I go to New Zealand, they will fix my teeth for free. No, they won't. They will tax New Zealanders to pay for your getting your teeth fixed. It's not for free. Somebody's paying. They're just forcing somebody to pay. And he's thinking, all he can see is I get free dental care. He's not looking at where it could, because he's accustomed to living at the expense of others. And he thinks he's a Christian. And yet he's coveting his neighbor's goods, his New Zealand neighbors, but he's coveting his neighbor's goods. Same way Bernie Sanders, all these guys. Bernie Sanders lives in a million dollar home. Elizabeth Warren lived, actually he's got three homes, millions of dollars. I mean, Elizabeth Warren, millionaire. Uh, Pelosi, millionaire. These people are millionaires many, many, many times over, and they got to be millionaires on like 200 and 
something thousand dollar salaries. It was just pretty amazing. How did you do that? You know, they want to see Trump's income tax. Why don't we take a look at theirs? And I'm not trying to belittle them or give them a hard time. I'm trying. I'm trying to give you a hard time because you've created a system where you the, that the government is taking and taking and taking and taking and taking. And the reason you created such a system is the same reason they did it back under Samuel. In Samuel 8. You go first Samuel 8. Go read it. If you don't want to read the Bible, go read Thomas Paine's Common Sense. Because he quotes the whole dang thing in that pamphlet. <laughs> They're going to take and take and take and take. And that's what's happening. And it's happening because you rejected the ways of God. The ways of righteousness. The ways of Christ. And until you repent, think differently, and walk differently, you cannot be free. So what does that walk look like? Gather together in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Start taking care of one another. Does, did I say you have to pay in all kinds of money? No. It's still it's all free will offerings. And it's a real responsibility to find ministers who can actually do this. But this is the only way. Christ's way is the only way. You have to believe in Christ and Christ's way. The way, they called it. And then walk in that direction. Seek that direction. Persevere in that direction. Strive in that direction. And then God will run out and meet you halfway. Because you couldn't do everything you need to do. It will take a miracle. And we're working on that. But you have to work on your walk. I have to work on my walk. That's the way it works. There is no other way. So this is this is what we're talking about. This is the rules for you becoming a ruler of yourself. You have to follow in the ways of Jesus Christ. And the ways of Jesus Christ was to love your neighbor as yourself. And... And to sit down in those tens, hundreds, and thousands. You pick your own congregations. You're not looking for saints. If you found a group of saints, they're not going to welcome you. So that's not what you're looking for. You're looking for righteousness that you can do. And what that looks like. So, you know, we have lots of books. Covenants of the Gods. Uh, you don't have to buy it. It's free online. You don't have to sign up for anything to get it. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of audios. That go based on topics. They're all at preparingyou.com, just listed there, and uh, keys to the kingdom dot info, and you can do word search and and uh, if you want help finding things on certain topics, join the network network links at preparing you and his holy church, and it's all based on geographies so that eventually you can meet up with people in your local area, but we need you to go out. And be you, the people say you build it and they will come. No, you build it and you'll be there already because the process of you building it, gathering together, caring, learning what it means to care about one another as a community, investing in one another, investing in one another business. You shouldn't need to go to a bank to borrow money, to buy a house, to buy a business. You should be able to go to each other. You should be able to start your own. This is what the early church did. Those seven men that they picked, you know, that the, the daily ministration was being neglected. 
in Greece? So why in Jerusalem are they gathering seven men to help people in Greece? What 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 do these seven men do? What's their duties going to be? Because the, uh, Paul uh, Peter says it's not right that we wait on tables. What does he mean, wait on tables? You know what the word table there? It that word table trapezia in the Bible is translated in the Bible bank because that's what it means. That's what those tables were. They were banks. Those seven men were a bank, but they weren't, in most countries, they wouldn't be able to call themselves a bank because that's not, they don't operate like the bank down on the street corner. They have access to banking, but they don't operate like a bank. You know what they are? They're a credit union, and they're a credit union with the spirit of Christ in them because credit unions can forgive debt. Banks can't forgive debt. Banks are a profit business. Credit unions are a non-profit business. They they can't, if they accidentally make a profit, they have to give it back to their members. So what if you had a His Church credit union that was a, you know, a national credit union, even international credit union, because there's actually a way to do that too. But let's get the get the local one made first. Then you could help one another out. You can move funds around. It's... It's a whole different world. What What is a religious order in relationship to the church? You know, we explain this in other free books we have, and we have hundreds of audios explaining that. We haven't finished that one book, The Free Church Report, but I don't know if I ever will on audio because a lot of the things that I have to tell you in order to finish the explanations in the book, the book is finished. It's available for free, again, online. But in order for me to explain what's written between the lines and how it all fits together, because the original book was much bigger. I mean, the original Covenants of the Gods was over 700 pages. I condensed it down to 144 pages. It has over 800, maybe a 1,000 footnotes. I have condensed it down to the point where there's actually some repetition. The Covenants of the Gods is... uh is like spokes of the wheel. Each chapter is showing you a different avenue that you have taken to bring you into bondage and including the church into bondage. But the free church report shows you how to come out. The the book Thy Kingdom Come shows you what people have done to stay out over the centuries. Christ, the Bible, tells you how to come out. He even tells you you have to come out. When he says... You were to be in the world, but not of the world. The word world there that he uses means constitutional order or system of government. You don't have to war against the government. You just have to seek the righteousness of Christ. And you will become this other government, this righteous government. And your eyes will be opened and you will begin to see things. And if you're really smart in uh, physics or electronics or... uh, engineering or what have you, you will be inspired. You will literally be able to invent things that other people will not be able to see or understand or realize that you could do. But you have to do this in earnest. You have to actually care about one another in earnest and the righteousness of God's way. And so we have articles up. Like I said, we have an article up on Born Again that tells you 
you know, the origins of why Christ said, be born again. And, uh, and where that comes from, going back in ancient history, back to the days of Abraham, Moses, and Christ, uh, that, uh, what, what, what was the conflict between them and Cain, Nimrod, Pharaoh, and Caesar? And the Caesars of the world. What world? You know, where we talk about this, we have live links to take you to an article, show you the five different words for world. When you see the religion and it's highlighted, it'll go and show you what the definition of religion was just 200 years ago. Completely different than it is today. Yet you think you have religion because you think this about God. That's not what religion was 200 years ago. See, if they change the definition of the words, it's sophistry. We have a whole article on sophistry. Show you the Old Testament. The altars of clay were systems. The altars of stone were systems of living men doing something to help a nation survive freedom. That's what they were talking about. They weren't talking about piling up rocks and burning up sheep. That's a delusion to think that they were talking about that. And, you know, the thing is that if you pursue this and seek this with earnestness and sacrificing heart, willing to realize you didn't get it right, you had it wrong, that you were deceived, and that you could only see the truth by a gift of God, the revelation of God. Because that's what, when he gave them the keys of the kingdom, he says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjoni, because you know this, not by the flesh and blood revealing it to you, but my Father in heaven. So my flesh and blood explanation is not going to reveal the whole truth to you. But your walk, seeking that kingdom of God and his righteousness, will reveal more and more truth to you. You will not be able to explain it to other people. But when you become that lit candle of Christ... Because you practice the Corbin of Christ and you sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, it will awaken more of what you have not yet seen. And that light will awaken others who are willing to receive it. Others will hate it. They will despise you. But you will be protected if you put on the full armor of God. And you need to do that because the fight, you know, we, we listened earlier to, you know, Paul Harvey's, you know, our fathers who are in Washington. Well, Christ said, call no man on earth father. We have an article that explains that and recordings that explains that. I'm putting more and more of these recordings on each of these pages. So, I mean, a person could go there on the website and just learn one thing after another, but it won't do you any good unless you walk the walk in real life with real people creating that network. The early Christians were networked from one end of the known world to the other. You could go to North Africa, you could go to Ireland. By the time Peter and Paul got to Rome, there were Christians already waiting for them. Jewish Christians, British Christians, Irish Christians. They weren't called Irish in those days. Celtic Christians were already there waiting for them. Because it spread like wildfire. But it didn't spread amongst everybody. There was only about 5% of the Roman Empire that ever became Christian. Real Christians. There were, by Constantine, there was a lot of fake Christians. But before that, there were not very many. But they changed 
the course of history. And so you can't change history. You can't change the future. You can change your relationship to it. Many are called. Few are chosen. But if you begin to see that this is a way of doing things. Like I say, most of what we're going to share with people, we don't share on the radio. We share share it on the network. So join the network. Gather together with others. And then find out, (laughs) as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. (laughs) So until then, peace on your house. And may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.